We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land, the Wundjeri and Boonrong people of the Kulin Nation, on whose land we stand today. We pay our respects to elders past and present. We recognise the ongoing intergenerational trauma caused by colonisation. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be. Aboriginal land. Welcome everyone to another episode of Loud, Angry and Not Sorry where we talk about politics and current events from a feminist perspective. My name is Leah and this week I'm joined by Mev who is also a slut walk organiser. She's a long time friend and one of the smallest people I know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us. How, how's your day? It was alright, um, just as usual, worked. And it's just work. Work. I I didn't work today. Well, I, you know, I do my normal organising work every day, but like... You're always working. I'm always... Yeah, I don't actually not work. But um, yeah, today I got to listen in on the, the Christian Porter presser, which was um pretty fucked. So let's have a... We're drinking big glasses of wine, which some of you might remember. Me and Carly actually recorded an episode where we were drinking wine and we had to actually re-record because we got... There was... Let's just say there were frequent mentions of Molotov cocktails and Kalishnikovs. <laughs> <laughs> and Carly was just like, no. I'd re-listened to it. And I'm like, Carly, it's hilarious. And she's just like, yeah. I'm just like, we can't publish it, can we? And she's just like, no. Just no. Like, if you're not on a list already. <laughs> it was very funny, though. Anyway, uh, so this week we're going to be talking about International Women's Day. Bit of a bit of a, bit of a look back <laughs> at um, its actual socialist beginnings and how, you know, it's been a bit corporatised. Corporatised? Is that yeah. the word? I feel like I've just made Commercialised. Commercialised. Yeah, that sounds more like a word. It's actually really depressing what's happened to International Women's Day, but hopefully, hopefully we can turn that around. Um, We've also got an interview with Ness from Gabriella Australia, who's also one of the speakers at International Women's Day in Nam on the 8th of March, which is also Labor Day, which is really funny (laughs) because like people who don't know me might not have heard me have my rant about the eight hour day. I don't think so. It's it's an oppressive. I've definitely had somebody rant about it. Yeah, I'm I'm not not... sure if it was you. I wouldn't ever assume that I would be the only one to talk about this. It's not, I don't think it's a particularly new concept, but like the fact that the eight hour day is eight hours work, eight hours rest and eight hours of recreation. Yeah. And it's based around having another person at home doing all the the free labor work. And this is another part of the reason why I get really pissed off at the, like the second wave feminists when they're talking about, we got workers rights and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, we, we just got, we just got fucked by capitalism is what we got. (laughs) But anyway, that's, that might, I don't know. Is that another episode or can we wedge it in somewhere? I suppose. I mean, it's relevant what we have said. So I don't know if we need to. So the early beginnings of um, IWD. And speaking of the commercialization, it is very frustrating because it started as basically an anti-capitalist venture. Yeah. At least anti-patriarchal. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) International Women's Day has been celebrated around the world on the 8th of March since 1913. It originated in America in 1908 when women garment workers held demonstrations protesting against the appalling and dangerous working conditions. 
I think they're hours as well. Yeah, that was like suffragette situation. It was yeah. definitely, it was really quite intertwined with the suffragette movement from what I can see. Yeah, yeah. I think it kind of came out from the suffragette movement, like um, a spin-off. And in August 1910, the Second International Women's Conference in Copenhagen, Clara Zetkin proposed that a Socialist Women's Day be held annually. Nike, a Socialist <laughs> Women's Day. Socialism is not exploitative. And it was only socialist and communist countries at first that actually celebrated it. In 1917, Russian women textile workers went on strike. They got public support and initiated the revolution. So anyone who's angry about Christian Porter, just just bear in mind that we are 50% of the population. And if we strike, we shut shit down. So just, just bear that in mind. Just bear that in mind. Uh, Australia's first IWD was in 1928 in Sydney. And it was organised by the militant w- women's movement. Wow. Fuck, we need more militant women. Oh, my God. I don't God. know. It makes me a little bit worried because there are so many sort of militant women that are TERFs. TERFs. We'll get such. to that later. <laughs> and anti-sex work and all of those kinds of militant women, quote-unquote. I suppose when you start talking about militant and military, it gets a bit... I think militant as- is a great word, but it is very wrapped up in all that violence stuff. Yeah, and, like, toxic oppression. Mm. Yeah, maybe not militant, but let's just enjoy it. Yeah, it's just, it's enjoyable. Uh, So they called for uh, equal pay and equal work, which, you know, we sorted that out, Um, and an eight-hour working day for shop girls and paid leave. In Melbourne, it started in 1931, where 50 women led a march of 150 from the corner of Victoria and Russell Street to the Yarra Bank. What's on the corner of Victoria and Russell Street? I don't know what's around there. That's crazy. I didn't know that Melbourne, it's almost 100 years Mm. since our first International Women's Day here in Melbourne. And we've still got fucking Hilakari and Setka. Anyway. Oof. So they had a banner that said, Long live International Women's Day. Grace de la Londe spoke from the platform that we need to organise women politically. Yeah, but it wasn't until 1975 when the United Nations officially recognised the 8th of March as International Women's Day. And in 1975, nearly 5,000 people attended the IWD rally in Nam and... The government provided funding. Where's your wow. funding this year? We actually asked Gabrielle Williams for money this year and it was just like a no thank you. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So it's still, you know, I don't want to use the word militant, but it's still quite focused on workers' rights and women's rights. Mm. Fast forward a few years until around, what is it, 1987, I think it was. Nike run their first women-centred campaign. This was starring Joanne Ernst, who finished the advert off by saying, it wouldn't hurt if you stopped eating like a pig. Thanks, Nike, you fucking cunts. I think Nike are really attributed to their first pinkwashing situation. Which is funny that it's it's a fashion brand that yeah. started doing that when so many of these protests were started by women who were working in garment factories and things like that. Oh, the sweet irony. <laughs> Patriarchy and capitalism are so intrinsically entwined that there's no one without the other. Definitely. Capitalism doesn't exist without the exploitation of women. 
it can't it thrives off our unpaid labor and that's like both within the home and at work all those little bits and pieces that we do every time you stay back from your lunch break or do a role that's outside of your scope of practice or it's outside your job description just stop it i reckon and i do think that's an effective strike strategy as well Mm. like everyone look at what your job description is and don't work a second outside of it don't work your breaks stop Whatever you're doing, regardless of what you're doing, if your break is at 12, you just get up and leave and you go on your break. Halfway through a phone call, put it down. Do you know what I mean? This is effective strategy because you are well within your rights, but the expectation is there that we just do this shit. Especially in nursing, it's like, oh, you're such an angel. I have six Mm. years tertiary education. Six years. And you do it because you're a good person, not because you're put under pressure. And in a situation where you are expected to do extra work. Yeah. Oh, could you just do this before you go on your break? Even though the the just this is like 15 minutes. Oh, can you just finish off this admission before you go? Get fucked. Fluorescently fucked. (laughs) This this shift through the 90s, I think we really saw the... I don't know if... I can't remember the 90s because I was a child. But there was like a definite incline in corporatization and then i think by the 2000s the sort of the girl boss stuff started happening and the seminars and the cupcakes and all this kind of nonsense started popping up i'm just thinking about some of the things that happened like for example the un making it an official day a lot of countries started having it as a holiday and a celebration yeah and just a celebration you know like there were places and businesses that would celebrate it, but it wasn't about the fight for yeah. workers' rights and women's rights. Yeah, yeah. Should we talk about the, the what is it, the purple, green and white? They were the colours of my high school. They were the Because I went to Melbourne Girls College. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Um, the suffragette movement, right? The suffragette. I still have like a ribbon thing with those colours on it from school because I never throw anything out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Purple is the colour of loyalty, constancy to purpose, unswerving steadfastness to a cause. White, the emblem of purity. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why people think the suffragettes were racist. Anyway, symbolises the quality of our purpose. Oh my God. Oh my God. Gold, the colour of light and life. Oh my God, they were capitalists even back then. Suffragists wore white for several reasons. It made them stand out. And hmm. um, also, so did Ku Klux Klan, but anyway. <laughs> but it was also a claim to moral purity against anti-suffragette arguments. Yikes. Wow. I think they were trying to do something good, but that just rubs me the wrong way. That's fucked. <laughs> they obviously haven't read Mapping the Margins. I mean, mostly because it was written, like, you know, 60 years later. But, you know, like, still. Like, come on. Get it together. Enough with the whiteness already. (laughs) You've got to relax on that shit, people. The colours are all right. But, like, why are your central values purity and loyalty? There's some some internalised misogyny there. (laughs) Just a touch. I swear... I still love men. <laughs> Not I just want some rights. <laughs> I just want to be able to vote for a man. <laughs> <laughs> there are actually some really cool um, women in parliament in Australia, particularly in South Australia, which is really funny because South Australia still don't have access, like proper access to yeah. abortion. But they were quite radical. And I wonder if that's because like when 
South Australia was founded, it was just colonisers, it wasn't convicts. Mm. They don't really shut up about it, do they? Well, look at me, we found a penal colony. We were just murderers and rapists. I'm like, okay, calm down. You still can't say Lego, though, can you? Anyway. <laughs> they say Legos. They say Lego. 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 I'm like, you're not I fancy, you're still Australian. Complaining that people say Legos when the plural is Lego. <laughs> That's what they were complaining about. Oh, fair enough. I had never heard the Lego thing. <laughs> yeah, Lego. I'm just like, why do you say that? And I was like, that's how you say it. I'm just like, you're wrong. And they're like, no, you are. And I suppose like, if you're looking at it and thinking this is from a different language, you might pronounce it Lego. Isn't Lego American? Oh, fuck. I did a school project on of Lego. Because you- <laughs> <laughs> they were the first plastic toys. Were they? They were the first... Um, do an episode on Lego. Yeah, they they were like entrepreneurs in the plastic forming industry. Oh God, it's like fucking Pepsi taking over Chile. <laughs> Explore the world of Lego. Are they from Europe somewhere? Danish. Danish. Imagine if they were fucking right though. That'd be so annoying. All right, I'm going to Google how to pronounce Lego. How to pronounce <laughs> Lego and is it actually a word in Danish? <laughs> I should remember this since I did a climb project. This is going to fix everything. Are we ready, people? We're going to solve this once and for all. It's Christopher Pine from South Australia. I have no idea. I just assumed because of his accent he was. Anyway. <laughs> going back to International Women's Day. <laughs> also, fuck you, South Australia. Anyway, uh, we've seen a real shift towards this sort of cupcake, champagne brunch culture, which is... Just this commercialised celebration of women and it's just surface level. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. It is. I'm going to shit on Tracy Spicer in a minute, but she, <laughs> like, she's done this panel where everyone is on the panel is white and they're all wearing white suits. They're oh. wearing white power suits, to borrow a, a phrase from Broad painful. City. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's really painful, especially considering Tracy Spicer is single-handedly responsible for axing the Me Too movement in Australia. After she released a documentary, what's it, what's it called? End the Silence or No More Silence or something about the Me Too movement. And she doxed End the Silence. Silence. She she doxed victim survivors on on camera. That's fucking gross. I believe that it wasn't intentional, all that kind of stuff. But not having the the clarity of thought to think this is sensitive information, I shouldn't be having people film me read this email. Yeah. That's not someone trying to help people. That's someone trying to centre themselves in in a conversation. Mm. That's exactly what she did. And then she tried to um, sue, counter-sue, people accusing her of, of doxing them. Oh, it was, it was disgusting. Disgusting mess. And then we can talk about girl bosses if you like. <laughs> she's, she's a girl boss. Like, that's girl boss nonsense bullshit. Yeah, and it's always, it's that facade, isn't it? It's mm. that surface level feminism of, like, 
women are great, but I don't want to talk about any of the problems. It's when I feel like white feminism is when you center yourself in the situation. I don't mm. think that's, I think that's pretty straightforward, really. I mean, obviously that's the default because white people are centered in yeah. society. So white women just immediately think if they're standing up for themselves as women, they mm. should be centering themselves. And all, all we need to do is kick up a bit of a fuss and we'll get what we want. All we need to do is have a cheeky cry and we'll get what we want. And that's apparently it's that easy. It's that simple. Like, you know, like women have been fighting for equality and equity for centuries. But sure, one white person, you're going to fix it in like a week. Mm. Quizzical <laughs> silences. Anyway. Yeah. And I think that's the difference is that not only the inability to actually see the world as a something that's like range of experience. Yeah. White people do have capacity to walk through this world pretty much unscathed. I'm still mad at men for being shocked about all the, the rape allegations and everything that have come out. I'm still bloody listen to us. I get it. It's not your perspective. So it's easy to kind of just like not think about it. Mm. And I think that's what a lot of white feminists do as well with Definitely. their, their feminism is very short sighted and not, it's not structural because we don't recognize the discrimination that people face on a structural level i don't know if I, am i making Definitely. sense yeah you're making sense that ignorance isn't like obviously it's not great but it's not the main problem the main problem is their reaction to it mm. blaming others yeah and then putting down the people that actually call out the problems to them. Yeah, just we need to get more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. We don't have to be happy all of the time. And this is one of the things I hated when I was working in psych. We'd be like, what's your mood? And they'd rate it one out of ten. And people would be like, oh, I'm having a bad day. It's only a five. And I'm like, that's a, not a bad day. That's just a day. We can't spend our entire lives at ten. Yeah, but somehow we have that. That expectation. The expectation that we ha- we have to be on top of everything all the time and in a great mood and everything. Yeah, we have to perform. Don't get me wrong, like when I first went into therapy when I was about 23, I think, I was so keen to get an A-plus in therapy. Mm. Like, no judgment. Like, oh, yeah, same. Absolutely none. Like, I get it. And, that, and I think there's that added layer of, of pressure on women to be all the things. That fucking, what's it called? I wanted to call it Salt Lake in the City. What's it called? Sex Sex in the the City. city. Where this conversation came out where like women can have it all. I'm just like, what is this all that people are talking about? Yeah. Like who gets to define what all is? Somebody's idea of all that you need. Yeah. But it's not all of anything. Mm. Really. It all comes from capitalism and patriarchy. (laughs) And white supremacy and colonization. Mm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think colonization is probably the root of all of these things. Yeah, I think um, if we prioritize decolonization, I think a lot of these systems would just crumble. But I'm too white to talk about that stuff. I'm not going to... Hey, we're trying. We're doing our best. We're we're learning. It's a process. We're educating ourselves and we're trying to improve. (sighs) And that, for now, is all we can do. True. So... We are kind of, with International Women's Day at the moment, we're at this weird precipice. There is a growing understanding of class analysis. We have a greater understanding of where, where the systems of oppression are. We have now read Mapping the Margins. Thank you, Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, for, for writing that. Um, it's been pretty helpful for myself. <laughs> 
coming up with intersectional feminism. Yeah, thanks for doing that. But Thank you. I don't, we appreciate you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm such a dickhead. God, what was he talking about? Yeah, so we've got mapping the margins now. So that we're heading in the right direction. The problem with International Women's Day at the moment is the turfs and the swerfs. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know what TERFs and SWERFs are, uh, trans-exclusionary, radical, and inverted commas, feminists, and sex worker exclusionary, radical, inverted commas, feminists. And also radical, I think, is quite inverted commas. There's nothing radical. I mean, it's, radical. Ra- it's radical feminist because it's not really feminist. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing radical about oppressing women. Like, that's that's been happening for a very long time. There's nothing radical. They're the conservatives of feminism. Look, fucking, what's her face from Melbourne Uni with her form, like, dobbing a, dobbing a trans person? Where have you felt violated by a trans person? That dickhead was on Sky News with Peter Credlin. Like, if they're your allies, you really have to think, like, where are my values? Like, yeah. where do I sit in the scope of things? When you're, like, when you're nodding in agreement with Peter Credlin. Where are the feminists on this? I'm like, we're right here. Like, we've always been here. We've just got our trans comrades' backs. Like, that's where we are. Yeah. And trans people don't have to be communists. It's fine. It's such a weird, bizarre twisting of situations. Anyway, International Women's Day. So we're fighting turfs and swerfs. We're fighting corporatization. No, commercialization. Commercialization and white feminism. And white feminism. Fucking pussy hats. (laughs) It's funny because, well, it's interesting that all these people have in common the thing that we have a problem with about the industry that's co-opting International Women's Day. They're watering it down and making it into something that's not substantial. It's, yeah. it's not actually that important. Yeah, it's all about maintaining their own safety or what they perceive to be their own safety. But they, like... My God, the system doesn't care about you. You're working against your own best interests. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Like the minute that you're not making a point for the system or you're not, the minute you're not posturing for the system, like they'll just get rid of you and dispose of you because the system doesn't care about individual people. It doesn't care about society. It doesn't care about culture. It's dividing us on purpose to make us weaker so that we have to work for the system. It values the status quo. Exactly. This whole turfs and swerfs thing, it's like there is... Tell me the difference between turfs and swerfs and pro-lifers. I mean, not much. No. (laughs) Some of them think that they're feminists. (laughs) (laughs) All of them are trying to control women's bodies. Actually, I'm sorry, I just remembered that I have a pro-lifer cousin who thinks she's a feminist. Yikes. I'm so sorry for you. That must be awkward all at Christmas. Fa- all my family is Christian, so I'm pretty used to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, I live in a different country. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so the whole cupcake situation is, yes. is quite fucked. The commercialization. Of International Women's Day. Yes, back on track. Frustrating as fuck. It's really frustrating, especially, yeah. So I've joined, I don't know if I've actually mentioned it on the pod or not yet, but I've joined the International Women's Day Collective and we've come up with these fucking incredible demands. They're so great. Mm. And yeah, really wide range. Yeah, and we consult a community group. Like Genvic have got this incredible, incredible platform 
And it's called, I think their, their campaign is like hashtag enough is enough. Mm. Their demands are fantastic. I can't remember at the moment because I have too much information in my brain. That sounds really good, like representation from everyone. Yeah, like um, someone was saying, like someone on the collective is like, it's just going to take too long. I'm just like, we cannot speak on behalf of the communities that we're not engaged in. Mm. Like this is International Women's Day. Yeah. We're supposed to be including all women. And that brings us back to the TERFs. I want the trans community to to be able to come to these events and be safe at these events. Yeah, definitely. But it's also called International Women's Day. I had a really awkward conversation with someone where they were just like not loving lumping trans mask and non-binary people in with International Women's Day. And I'm just like, really not my intent. I want to make it a safe space for trans people. I can see... But it's International Women's Day. Definitely. I can see why those people would not identify with... And not a want day to come. that's called yeah. International Women's Day, especially with all of the connotations of white feminism and, and champagne f- breakfasts. <laughs> and the fact that we haven't sorted the turf problem. Mm. And that, that turf Which makes is, it not a safe space. For it's them. not, and that's yeah. Look, we've got we've got the trans and the non binary symbol on the poster. To, Which is good because it it's signalling to everyone that we're in support of these people. But what I'm worried about is that trans people will come to the march, that they come and they won't be safe because yeah. we've gone so hard on the inclusion measures for, for sex workers and for trans people. I think that the TERFs and the SWERFs are going to sort of like turn it up to 11. Yeah. But by turning it up to 11 for the TERF and SWERF community, I think that means like going from five to maybe seven. So I don't, but I, don't, I just don't know. Like there's an organising group that we found online and there's like 12 people in it which means if it's anything like our organising groups, it's 50 people in it, there's six people active. Like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that normal standard organising situation, not everyone has capacity. Um, so I don't know. I'm really worried that we are inadvertently putting the trans community at risk. Yeah. But what I'm hoping to do is to start signalling to the community this is what International Women's Day is. Yeah, and we support these people. Yeah. And if you are against these people for existing as they are, then you're not welcome. Yeah, and, and you're you not need, feminist. Yeah, and you need to not come and make your point because no. that is pointless. Because we, we've had this problem with slut walk, like mm. with swerfs and, and turfs. Like, what were they called? Yeah, the, the shrews? untamable shrews. We tamed them. It's fine. <laughs> They're totally tameable. That crap was, name. That was the year before I joined, so I'm not sure on all of the details of that, but I know that they plastered their propaganda everywhere on the site where we were yeah. at the State Library. I think. And that's why every year we do a, a, a jaunty stroll down the, the march route and just like... Just a little scout to make sure there's no turf or... Um, or neo-Nazi propaganda. Neo-Nazis, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Because that happened as well. That happened too. <laughs> um, yeah, I interviewed Jessamy Gleason for the for the documentary and she just raised up all this other stuff that's happened and I'm just like, fuck me in the face. Oh, yeah, she would have some great stories and stories with what has happened. And especially remember that woman who tried to, like, cancel Slut Walk. <laughs> The, like the one who wanted to speak. Yeah. <laughs> she tried to get <laughs> And love. then was messaging all the sponsors. And everyone's just like, Leah, who is this person? And I'm just like, she's a disgruntled person who essentially bullied one of our volunteers. Now she's using her anti-harassment platform 
to harass Slut War volunteers. Yeah. And harassing different volunteers to the ones that she actually spoke to yeah. at the time. And also profiling. I think there was some racial profiling going on as well. I mean, the volunteer that she was screaming at on day was non-gender conforming and not a white person. Yeah. And she's complaining that she's the one being bullied. Yeah. When she didn't even confirm that she was speaking or no. send us the speech no, or anything. No, 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 no. She, she, she said, yes, I'd love to do it. I'm so excited on Instagram. But then didn't respond to any emails or phone calls. Like, we need those speeches for accessibility purposes. We have an Auslan interpreter and they need to know what's going to be talked about. And also, Slut Walk is an event for victim survivors. We need to know that you're not a turf, you're not a swerf. You're not going to, yeah. like, say something like uber inappropriate. It's all good or, that you're into Or platform it, your organisation. you need to be vetted first. Yeah. Like, and not to mention the fact that we are all volunteers and none of us get paid. And she's apparently some, like, highfalutin person. And I'm like, mate, you yeah, should that, know that this. That was something because she was messaging the people that were involved with us and, and calling them sponsors. Like, we don't have a sponsorship No, deal they, they fucking donated a dildo. That's they, not a sponsor. <laughs> they were, like, businesses, local businesses. Yeah. That donated things. Anyway, anyway. that this is Like, <laughs> we would have been happy for them to speak if they had not turned up and done that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. If they hadn't been absolute horrible. Like, if they'd come up and, like, I'm here to speak, and I'm like, oh, we're so sorry, we've, we've formalised everything. And then they didn't scream at a volunteer. <laughs> they probably could have even spoke on the day. Yeah. If they'd been like, oh, I've organised whatever. Being reasonable, we probably would have just been able to squeeze them in. Oh, Jesus. Sorry, and this is again <laughs> the audacity oh. of white people, white people's tears. Yeah, yeah. So, how do we get completely on that? off topic <laughs> and completely unusable for the podcast? Maybe or maybe not, but not Molotov cocktails. So that's fine. <laughs> that's great. There were some cackles there. <laughs> there was some devil some cackles. The cackles were never the issue. No, no, cackles are great. Anyway, so there is still a turf problem. I think that's ongoing, but that's not just with IWD. I think that is the problem across the movement, Mm. but specifically with movements that have the word women in them. Yeah. I think that is a problem. Yeah, like the Women's March as well. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? No, let's not. Let's not get off track again. Because fucking hell. Anyway, let's come back to the present. And we've got an interview now from Ness from Gabriella, who is one of the speakers. I'll let Ness speak for herself. With us, we have Ness, who's an anthropologist working in the community sector and a chairperson at Gabriella Australia. Welcome, Ness, and thanks for joining us. Can you tell me a little bit more about your anthropology work? I think I'm just fond of saying that I'm still an anthropologist, but I'm a trained social worker. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so when it comes to anthropology, I would always say that I'm an applied anthropologist. So basically, you just put anthropology into use. So um, that means I'm more in the cultural side, um, doing work not um, as a development worker and a community worker. So um, whereas before, I would do a lot of research that are commissioned, you know, um, and it's more on evaluating projects. Yeah. But anything that I do, 
um, that has some sort of research um, is completely applicable to the community that I serve. Yeah. Fantastic. So Gabriella Australia is a political non-funded grassroots organisation that provides free support to migrant women and their children. We already know that migrant women have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic. What have you seen at Gabriella Australia? I, I always say that it has made, especially among migrant women and children and those that are on temporary visas, it has, the pandemic made it more visible what is happening with, with this um, group, but automatically it was made invisible also by the government because mm. it was not even part of the economic supports that the government has um, implemented, like, you know, the, um, um, the job keeper, there's no mm. that you will find anyone to be on job keeper if you're on a temporary visa. And um, this is like um, another big hurdle because before the pandemic, we know already that there is no equitable services across mm -hmm. the sector in relation to family and domestic violence. So if you're on a visa, you're, you're being assessed based on that visa that you hold, not on the risk or safety issues that yeah. you currently have. Um, so yeah, a lot of the services would say no to you mm. because of what visa you have. And that's awful because that's sending a very wrong signal to um, women who have experienced family and domestic violence. So like, yeah, um, we don't really care. Even if you're about to be killed by your um, partner, we're not gonna give you any support. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's pretty awful. Um, now we have, um, we, we still say that it's anecdotal um, cases that we have during the pandemic since um, March and up until now. I think it was September that it was very heightened that those women on temporary visas were being told to go home, which mm. makes sense because there are even no flights going back home. And whereas, before the pandemic hit, we are at the level in terms of advocacy that when the woman along with her children, um, even if she is on a temporary visa, there were already a few spots, say in women refugees, where they will be able to, to be admitted. But when the pandemic hit, there's none. Mm -hmm. So we were struggling in the community because women would, would ring and usually it will come first to me just mm -hmm. because that is part of our whole case management system. <clears throat> yeah. So we we'll do the first um, crisis work with them. And the usual problem is where are you gonna place these women? Yeah. Mm. So it's, it's the biggest irony, I think, <laughs> because you're saying, that, oh yeah, the Australian government has all these support services in relation to family and domestic violence. Yeah. Hey, where where is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you've got to fit a very narrow criteria to be able to accept it. What supports would you like the government, both state and federally, to implement in order to support migrant women, not just during the pandemic and current circumstances, but going forward? First and foremost, it should not be that um, they are being assessed 
based on their visa. It's mm -hmm. regardless of visa status, they should provide equitable services. You know, we cannot talk about equality if we're not tackling equity first. Yeah. So equitable services. That's mm -hmm. that's very, I think that's very easy. Yeah. <laughs> You have to be able to support these women who are, not, who are the most vulnerable in the community. You can always say, well, we're providing support to all women because we have uh, this number of women refugees, this crisis accommodation, but let's look deeper yeah. because you're not really addressing um, the conditions of the most vulnerable, you know, by... Yeah shutting your doors to these women and children, you're sending the wrong message to the perpetrators. You're saying, well, because, you know, you sponsored them coming to Australia, whether they're on temporary visas or on partner-related visas, then you have all the control and power over them. Yeah. You will not help them in any way if they are being abused by you. So yeah. you're like, what is that? <laughs> it's mm -hmm. just giving all the power and control to these men who are using their um, their identity being permanent residents or citizens of this yeah. country. Yeah. So that, that's one. And we like to be very specific. So the government will say, oh, you know, your calls are too general. Okay. So we say, why don't you expand those family provisions in the migration regulations of 1994, because that one is very limited. It only says that the safety net covers only women who are on partner-related visas. And mm -hmm. that only covers actually a very small population because that only covers those that are transitioning from a temporary partner visa going through a permanent resident partner visa. So what, what, what is the use of that? Um, legislation if mm -hmm. it serves a very small percentage of those women and children um, who have experienced family and domestic violence. Yeah. Oh, we can talk, you know, for some <laughs> hours with that family violence, you know, commission report and all that, which is not being implemented anyway. Mm, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really <laughs> sick of royal commissions and inquests that just waste time. Yeah, it's, it's it's just it's just a way for them to be like, look, we're like it's a virtue signaling tool, isn't it? Mm. So that they can make everyone think that they're doing something about it, and then we move on to the next thing, and nothing happens. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And also, we have been saying, why are you always um, not recognizing that there are grassroots community community organizations such as us who have been doing the work. Mm. We where you are usually paying, you know, social workers and other, other um, community workers in a mainstream setting. Yeah. We're here, we've been doing it. And the thing is, we're more at risk because what happens is you are forced to um, accommodate, um, say, Filipinas. We would have to accommodate them if they are not being accommodated by crisis accommodation services. Mm -hmm. And that puts us more at risk. Because they know that the perpetrator looks for those people who help these victim survivors. I have all sorts of experience being tailed, mm. and, um, yeah, by by perpetrators, even in here in my street. I'm so sorry. Yeah, but that that <sighs> like we're not asking 
for, you know, because we're activists, we're not asking, mm -hmm. like, you give us millions and all that. We're no, saying, no. look, you have to recognize that one of the best um, option to be able to better serve these vulnerable women and children is you consult and you fund some of these grassroots community organization ra rather than you just rely on contracting it out to mainstream services. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're not looking to the future as to how this is going to benefit society in the long, in the long run or the yeah. fact that you can't actually put a price on human rights. You have a lot of um, funding cuts. Well, I, I work for mainstream services. I've seen it all. Mm. You have all these um, very um, hard requirements to be able to be taken by a service anyway. So, you know, um, one thing is they need to know what area do you live in. For some reason, you know, women would not be able to tell you because for safety reason. And mm. then the, if you got an inex inexperienced worker, they will just tell you, well, we cannot give you any service, you know, mm. because contracted by the government so-and-so to cover just this area. Oh, there you go. You lost one woman who might be probably dead in another few weeks. Then mm -hmm. you have all those sorts of um, not really investigation happening, mm -hmm. you know? but especially if the woman is also the carer of the partner. Yeah. We have, we have those um, stories where women, one woman in, I think it was in New South Wales, she was pushed by the partner who is on wheelchair, she was pushed from sec the second floor. The, sta the stairs was pushed by, by that partner. She was dead. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. And then we track it. It was a Filipina. The police report said that it was a natural accident. So it was like, what? That yeah. is Clearly family violence. Yeah. What happened there? And then, yeah, the case was just closed. Yeah. We were like, yeah, we were demanding for it to be reopened, you know. And another, it's another instance of the system silencing us. It's just, it's endemic. It's ridiculous. It's just too many. Mm. And sometimes it was like, oh, what is next? Mm. <laughs> you feel like... What has to happen for people to actually take it seriously? Like what's happened with Brittany Higgins is already out of the news cycle. Yeah. It's, it's people have just moved on. Mm. And these, this is our lives. It's just, and this is what the Liberal government counts on. Definitely. And, and you know, we are left as, um, you know, human rights defenders. Yeah. Just to make do whatever we could yeah. All we just have to compromise and just fit in with the with the government's agenda and mm. you know because we can't get too loud because then we're you know crazy feminists and <laughs> you know all of that sort of nonsense all these gendered slurs that they throw at us mm. yeah right okay I, I personally I'm really excited to hear you speak at IWD on Monday um We've got some really incredible speakers lined up. Who are you most excited to hear from? I think I'm, exci I'm excited to hear from everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always a sucker on those things. Yeah. 
to everything. Yeah, because there's a lot of experience that you can pick up just from from listening. Um, yeah, to those speakers that will come and. And also, of course, the IWD Collective has done a lot of work to be able yeah. to organize this big event. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic. There's, um, the, what's the dance at the end again, sorry? Yeah, the dance at the end is called the One Billion Rising Dance, which is basically part of the global campaign against violence on women. Mm. the medium is through dance I'm not gonna even promise you that we will dance it <laughs> properly <laughs> well I am looking forward to it so you, you're gonna disappoint me the thing is you know we we, um, we had a practice in uh, last Saturday with the community so there's also like male people that were there it was good yeah <laughs> we were led by children actually Three. Oh my god Oh, I kids. love it. I just hope they get to be with us on the march. Well, one of the kids would be. My but- my daughter's coming because we used to take Isabel to marches all the time when she was a little baby. Like we'd just take her in the pram. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when she started being able to walk and stuff like that, and then the sort of the alt-right and the fascists got a bit mm-hmm. more involved, um, we just kind of stopped going as a family. But IWD last year was the first march that I've taken her to as like a, a child and she was so into it so I'm really excited to take her this year as sort of like you know especially being as a part of the collective and stuff so it's really <laughs> exciting yeah she got right into the Latinx feministas dancing <laughs> last year yeah so hopefully she'll she'll get into your dance as well yeah I hope so cool and also with the Latinx yeah yeah, yeah it's gonna be fantastic mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, thank you so much for your time. And I'm really, again, I'm really looking forward to hearing you speak. Um, And everyone else, please come along to the IWD rally on the 8th of March on Labor Day at Parliament House at 2pm. Yes, see you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks. And, yeah, I'll see you at the next meeting. She and her organisation are doing great things. Yeah. They are filling this void that the government, the government doesn't support provide support yeah properly to women no and they are there to make sure that those women which is receive support and again we're, we're coming back to like the unpaid labor of women and the unsupported labor of women if like this neoliberal government like just goes look at how great everything is mm. but doesn't ca- um account for the fact that like mutual aid has helped people it's grassroots organizations like gabriella that are actually doing the work yeah absolutely mm. and it's and it's and it's men like fucking morrison taking credit for it i'm shocked this is my shocked face we've never seen it before also christian porter's a rapist anyway can um, i just mention that last year on in i think it was last year on International Women's Day, Scott Morrison did a speech where he felt the need to say, we have to rise up women, but not at the expense of pushing down anyone else. That was the year before, but yes. Like, yes, this Our is... Prime Minister is so obsessed with women not gaining more power than him. Yeah. And that he said that. No, I think he's actually terrified of women. Yeah. I think he's actually scared of us. And I... Like I said before, we are 50% of the population. Yeah. We can shut this shit down at any time. We just need to get organised. I don't think we can do that with pussy hats.
No. Sorry. But in terms of the roots of International Women's Day, striking textile workers in Russia, for example, mm. that is the kind of action that yeah. creates change. I mean, it helped the Russian Revolution. It's going to help somewhere. Australia is such a, a, a white Australia is a young country. Yeah. We're with babies, baby babies, like maybe like broaching adolescence. I, I, I'm not going to go into a Piaget analogy here. Don't worry. <laughs> I almost did. I almost <laughs> went there. I'm not going to do it. But we've, we've got a lot to learn about like how to work together as a community. And I do think that we actually need to have maybe not like a riot, but like some sort of like shutting shit down and we need to do it properly. A demonstration the- like... Historically, International Women's Day has been for demonstrations. What I want to see happen at International Women's Day, everyone come out. If you can marshal, come marshal, come support our trans community, our gender diverse community, and anyone who feels comfortable with coming along. Like we have cis men are welcome to come to International Women's Day. So trans men are welcome. Um as allies or however you feel comfortable. Anyone who is in support is welcome. Yeah, absolutely. We want to make International Women's Day about feminism and about workers' rights again. It's it's no longer enough to be, like, women to the front or whatever, even though, like, don't get me wrong, that's an, I love that, you know, women to the front is great. The problem with women to the front in this modern age is that the women that get put to the front are the Julie Bishops and the Michaelia Cashes of the world. Yeah. And, um, and they that's can not enough. <laughs> fuck right off into the ocean. Yeah. Take your red shoes and get fucked. I'm so... Like, women who are only there for their own interests, I'm not... Yeah, we need women to the front who stand up for all women. We need feminists to the front. Yeah. Yeah. And, and women who... And women and... I don't feel comfortable calling men feminists, but like women and gender diverse people who are feminists and who are inclusive and are thinking outside of themselves about more than themselves. That's Mm. what I want to see. And from International Women's Day, we'll take it further. I'm in the process of trying to get together some marches. Like I spoke last week about how we were doing this thing at Parliament every day, which ended very quickly after I said that. Which is fine. You know, you try something, you see if it works, it doesn't, you move on and try the next thing. That's what happens. I want to do a constant ongoing thing, but maybe once a week with speeches, with music, with poetry, dancing. Hopefully Latinx feministers can come along. And a food truck. (laughs) So you have some food. I don't know. I think I spoke about this last week. I can't remember. But like I want it, but it needs to be ongoing. It needs to be consistent. It needs to always be happening. And it needs to start building community and we'll have a speaking circle where we we can share our stories, have conversations and educate each other. There's a lot of um, misinformation, particularly around sex worker communities. And there's a lot of people who don't understand how capitalism, patriarchal, colonisation and white supremacy all work together. We need to dismantle all those systems. I think you're right in what you were saying before about like prioritising decolonisation. I think that's the first step. Yeah. And like, and when it comes to feminism and what what our demands are and what our wants are, we need to start with full bodily autonomy. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I think that's where it starts for us, and then and then we can move on to the other stuff. So if we don't have control and autonomy over our bodies, then what are we what are we what are we asking for? 
Yeah, and that doesn't mean like so many of the TERFs, they talk about bodies and biology and they're using all of this misinformation. Fucking gamuts. Shut up about your gamuts, you cunt. I'm getting distracted by the sirens. (laughs) Oh, sorry, actually, that might be. Is that a paramedic or a cop? I live right near a cop station. Oh, wow. So is, yeah, I know everyone's just like, Leah, are you digging a tunnel? (laughs) That's actually really funny because when I was at the the bottom ringing you on the intercom, there were like five police officers across the road from me. Yeah. Looking at me. (laughs) Well, a couple of them were looking at me just because I was there. Because you existed as a woman in the world. Must be doing something wrong. A person wearing a lot of black. (laughs) When we were at Parliament House, there was two of us and five cops staring at us. There were two women. God. Five cops. Fucking cunts. Anyway. Um A cab. A cab. So yeah, I think we need to to really focus on what What Women's Day is about. Yeah. Women's Day, it's not about commercialization. It's not about celebrating, like, you can celebrate, that's great. Celebrate what women have accomplished, celebrate where we are now, but we still have so much more to do. We, there is still so much more that needs to change. And it's not supposed to be about, you know, champagne breakfasts and whatever that shit is. Like, it's not pro-capitalism. <laughs> it's about fighting for women's rights, workers' rights, mm. and civil rights. And especially the fast fashion brands that are using International Women's Day as a marketing strategy, they are especially hypocritical because the fashion industry is one of the most exploitative industries and has one of the highest percentages of women who are working in that industry, not in charge, women who are working, workers in that industry who are exploited. So, like, do something about that before you go and have your business breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) And do your campaign about, I don't know, whatever it is, like, being a girl boss. (laughs) Yeah. I think we also need to remember that International Women's Day is one day, but our struggle is every day. Yeah. Yeah. So use International Women's Day as a launching point to, like to congregate to to meet with people with with like-minded feminists and let's use this as an opportunity to start having these broader conversations and plan what's happening next yeah and actually get onto all of those things yeah that we still need to fix yeah so just do that and we'll be great <laughs> have we fixed it again <laughs> <laughs> and then we can get our collision of cups and our molotov cocktails <laughs> I did notice while I was at RMIT, I was looking through my planner and I saw there was like the grand final and the Melbourne Cup and all of those bullshit holidays, right? Mm. And the ones that aren't public holidays as well. And there was no International Women's Day. So I mentioned it. I was on the Student Representative Council and I mentioned it to my course coordinator and he he just dismissed my concerns and I didn't feel like I could pursue it anymore without yeah, being, of course. being just a complaining person. <laughs> anyway. Time to stop recording. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mev. 
Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, so weekly recording of podcasts is fucking intense, especially with the shit that we talk about. Um, so we're going to switch things up for a bit and we're going to have different hosts and hopefully that means that we're going to have a bit of a more diverse voice, which will be cool. And yeah, I'm really excited. We've got some academics coming on, Armada's coming on to talk about, um, to talk about prison abolition. We've got some cool stuff coming up, so I'm really excited. So if you enjoyed, oh, I've got to do the Carly thing where you be serious and like promote yourself and I'm not good at it. Um, uh, what do you say? If you enjoyed Loud, Angry and Not Sorry, is that what it's called? Yes. <laughs> if you enjoyed Loud, Angry and Not Sorry, tune in next week. And like, share and And enjoy it more. And every day, just like, you can turn the volume off and just like repeat it. And just like overnight when you go to sleep and that'll just bump the algorithm and it'll be fine. But like, And if you like leave reviews and you say things, like just say nice things. I don't care if you listened or liked it, just... Just, uh, just something nice to show my mum. Love heart react. Yeah. Give us a smiley face. Bye. Hi. <laughs>